You may have noticed or not, but we've kind of reached what I call the heart of the retreat. We're right at the heart of this time together. And so uh, for me, it's always a kind of a a special time to really appreciate, to feel. We've kind of done a, already done quite a significant journey to get here. And um, you can just bring, if you like, of course, just a sense of appreciation and acknowledgement to that. Before I kind of dive into the, the Dharma uh, teachings for uh, this evening, just, uh, I just wanted to say a few things about metta practice, kind of inspired by some things that have come up um, from some of you. Um, maybe just, maybe it's one thing, <laughs> which is really to, to emphasize, you know, that uh, metta practice is a practice, yeah, and it's a practice of intention and of cultivation, cultivating an intention. And so, when we practice it, sometimes we might get more of a sense of a of the heart opening or that kind of more feeling of metta, and other times we may find less, yeah. But that's all part of the practice, yeah. So it's not like oh, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it can be helpful for me, what's always been helpful is to have this sense of this metaphor of, um, of meta-practice as planting seeds. Yeah, we put the seeds in and we do everything we can yeah, so that those seeds will flourish. Yeah, but we don't have absolute control <laughs> over the time and the way that will happen. So we just kind of keep coming back to that sense of watering the seeds, taking care of the seeds, of that intention. And, you know, sometimes there'll be more of a feeling of metta that we associate with metta, sometimes less. Both are okay. Yeah, both are okay. They're both part of our practice. When there's that more, that open-heartedness feeling, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah kind of really dwell in it. Yeah. When there's less, you're just remembering that planting of the seeds. And maybe that actually is kind of quite a good introduction to what I wanted to, to speak about today. I just noticed the ne- next line in my notes, <laughs> which was really around seeing this unfolding yeah, flow of the practice, yeah, and the day, the days here together, yeah. We can see, yeah, that things are fluid, yeah, they're changing, right. Maybe the way you're feeling now uh, might be quite different to how you felt this morning, yeah. Maybe the practice that we just did now uh, may feel, may have felt quite different to another time of practicing today or yesterday. So it's sometimes helpful to just kind of look in that way and see, ah, there's a flow, there's change yeah. here. Things are coming together yeah, due to particular conditions at a certain time. And then they keep unfolding. 
They keep unfolding, they keep changing. And so there's something in here, you know, that's quite, well, for me, fascinating. (laughs) And I think for us in our practice, really helpful to contemplate and reflect on. Our experience is in constantly this movement of coming together, being put together, being constructed by various causes and conditions. The weather, yeah? what we ate, how much we ate, how much we slept. Yeah? Uh, if we like the, the sounds in the environment or the smells in the, in the, in the environment or not. Yes? Yeah? So it's constantly being fabricated, yeah? constructed, put together by causes and conditions. And I think we can see that. Yeah? Our practice is a way of seeing that. So maybe um, today with the Vedana practice, yeah, if you were interested to engage with it, yeah, perhaps you could see some of this. Yeah? You know, for example, perhaps the Vedana of a particular experience or a particular phenomena, perhaps it changed when we brought interest to it. Yeah? Did anyone have that experience? Yeah, some of you did. Yeah. So maybe, you know, that can happen. We bring interest to that layer of Vedana, the Vedana changes. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. It means it's not fixed, right? It means it's constructed. It comes together in the moment, yeah. based on many causes and conditions, including how we're relating, yeah. including how we're looking at a certain time. And maybe the Vedana didn't change, but the degree of uh, problem, if it was an unpleasant Vedana, maybe that changed. Yeah, that's also interesting to see. That's what I sometimes love with (laughs) unpleasant Vedanas. You know, it's like, ah, unpleasant, unpleasant. It might stay unpleasant if it's a pain in the body. But the degree of problem, yeah, just kind of as if like someone punctured, (laughs) you know, uh, a balloon and just the, 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 the air, the fluid just comes out, the problematic element leaves. Yeah. I often remember uh, when I, one of the first times I taught Vedana practice <laughs> and someone came up to me afterwards and said, I never realized that unpleasant could simply be unpleasant. Yeah. And I still remember that, you know, with so much joy, that sense of freedom for that person. Just like unpleasant can simply be unpleasant, doesn't have to be a problem. We feel the kind of the freedom in that, freedom in that. So maybe we've had like little glimpses or, you know, bigger glimpses of that. Uh, today and, and you know really looking at it and seeing ah what does that point to what does that um, illuminate yeah. uh, conditioned constructed fabricated put together nature of our experience and how much it depends uh, on on our way of looking on our way of relating um, you know similarly you may have had experiences like that with meta. You know, sometimes, you know, I know for myself, I'm feeling pretty, you know, I don't have a lot of energy or I feel pretty grumpy, irritable even. And then I kind of practice metta and then something really changes. Yeah. 
really changes because I'm relating to experience differently. Yeah. That shifts yeah, the whole perspective. So how we relate to experience is so interesting for us yeah, on this path. Yeah, because as hopefully these examples kind of reveal to us, yeah, how we relate impacts what we experience. Yeah, how we relate impacts what we experience. And how we relate is something that we have some agency with, some possibility yeah, with to impact. Not always, yeah, not immediate, it's not just a light switch that we can turn on and off, but it's something we can cultivate. Yeah? Over time we can cultivate ways of relating that are wholesome, that are skillful, yeah, that lead to the well-being of ourselves and others and the world. And we can abandon yeah. unwholesome ways of relating and of looking, yeah? unskillful ones that lead um, to ill-being for ourselves and others and the world. So we're interested in this, we're interested in this understanding. How is experience built? Yeah? How is it fabricated? What are the building blocks of it? Yeah? And as we kind of look in this way, we also discover, yeah? also reveal to us, what uh, are some of the habitual ways of looking, yeah? habitual fabrications, um, and ways of relating that are so intuitive to us that we don't notice them. Yeah? Just things that we take as underlying assumptions about ourselves, about the world, about experience. Yeah? They're so intuitive, we, we, we're blind to them, we just don't see them, they're transparent. And it's helpful to understand you know, how experience is built, it's helpful to understand what some of these habitual yeah, unskillful, unhelpful ways of seeing, ways of relating are, yeah, so that we can then make that movement that we've been speaking of, movement from reactivity, yeah, just reacting, just reacting, just reacting, the movement from reactivity to responsibility, yeah, to the possibility and the ability of response, yeah, of responding yeah, skillfully helpfully. Yeah. Or you can say the movement from being caught up yeah, in not seeing, and yeah, not seeing what's propelling us yeah, in our lives, to seeing, yeah, to seeing in ways that free. Yeah. That's the meaning of vipassana, by the way. That's the meaning of this word vipassana that maybe many people associate with meditation. Yeah, seeing that freeze, seeing that kind of sees through, yeah, sees deeply, yeah, in ways that free. So one kind of of these underlying assumptions, yeah, or areas of, I'm going to keep with this uh, metaphor, areas where we don't see clearly, where we're blinded. Um, one of these, something that we share as human beings, is this 
um, assumption that things are permanent, yeah, constant, lasting, and fixed. Yeah. We have this underlying assumption. I can hear some of you thinking, no, I know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. And of course, intellectually, yeah, it's quite easy. It's one of the easy things to see. Yeah. And it's helpful to see it in that way. But it's equally helpful to see how much of our lives yeah, we kind of spend actually not seeing that, actually looking at experience, looking at phenomena, looking at life, yeah, and seeing permanence, constancy. Yeah. And just some examples, you know. Just the way we relate to really simple things like pleasant and unpleasant, if we really start to look, yeah. especially with the unpleasant, here's the negativity bias again, <laughs> when something's unpleasant, we really think it's going to last. Yeah? It's part of the problem, right? It's part of why it's difficult for us. Yeah? Because if we really saw, no, it's, this is changing, it's not constant. Yeah? It would be less of a big deal. But we project this constancy, this permanence on it. We believe this is here to stay. This is here to stay. And sometimes, not only is this here to stay, it's also going to get worse (laughs) if it's unpleasant. And similarly with the pleasant, something's pleasant and we have a sense of, this is it, I found (laughs) the answer. Yeah. Even if it's just the soup. Yeah. Yeah. This is what's going to make me happy. Yeah. I'd better hold on. Yeah. Because we give it that kind of sense of, you know, lasting. Yeah. And I think Nathan, with the Vedana talk yesterday, described it very in a very alive way, right? Yeah. Just that sense of, you know, this is going to be pleasant forever. Uh, tastes good now, it's going to taste good <laughs> later, <laughs> going to taste good no matter how much I eat of it. So, you know, we can just see it in small things and in large things. Yeah? When we relate to things, we give them that sense of constancy, of permanence, of being fixed and lasting in their nature. Uh, same thing with hindrances. Yeah. There's restlessness. Oh no. This is going to be my experience forever. Yeah. There's desire. I need to get it. Yeah. So we see that kind of movement from, yeah, that's so much under, underlying it is this assumption. Yeah. That things are permanent and constant. And so We can see this in our experience, and I kind of mentioned the Buddha's maps. You know, one of the maps Nathan mentioned yesterday without, I think, naming it. Yeah. The map of dependent origination, which kind of breaks down how our experience is built, and particularly how dukkha comes into existence. And we can see this underlying assumption within this map, within this uh, process, which I'm going to kind of mention now again, yeah? Don't expect you to remember it. Mm. 
And this is just part of it. It's not the whole thing. So, there's contact, yeah? Contact between a phenomenon in the world and a sense door. Yeah? There's contact. With that contact comes a Vedana, that immediate categorization. I expect this bit you can re- recite already by heart. <laughs> yeah. That immediate categorization of pleasant, unpleasant, or neither one or the other. That Vedana escalates. Yeah? It escalates. I love that word. <laughs> escalates. It's from something unpleasant to, you know, I don't want this. Yeah? I don't like this. I can't bear it. I need to get rid of it. And we can see in that process of escalation, the reactivity grows and tanha arises. Right? That thirst, that craving, that demand. I can't stand this. I need it to go away, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. And with that, yeah, with that escalation, more push and pull on experience. Yeah. More becoming, more sense of self, more sense of uh, separate, clear boundaries of identity and identification. And more dukkha. Yeah. And I'm kind of putting this, and I'll just say it again, contact, Vedana. Yeah? From the Vedana escalation, push-pull on experience. Yeah? Tanha, yeah? craving, demand. Yeah? From that becoming is the next stage. Yeah? A sense of, ah, there's somebody here wanting or not wanting, <laughs> right? Yeah? Maybe you saw that today, the movement from when something is just unpleasant to I don't want it. We can see the birth of the, of the personhood. Yeah. And that is dukkha because with all of that, more contraction, more friction. Yeah. And if we bring in yeah, this lens, how does a Nietzsche, how does inconstancy and impermanence, how does it relate to this? Yeah. It's an underlying, well the opposite to it is an underlying assumption. We assume that the contact <laughs> is lasting. We assume that the Vedana is lasting. Right? Otherwise, they would just be you know, coming and going. Not a big deal. We give it constancy. Yeah, we believe in it. And that feeds the escalation. That feeds the tanha. Yeah? Feeds the push and the pull on experience. And then, of course, we start to believe in the constancy of that. Yeah? This aversion yeah, is justified, it's permanent, it's real. Yeah. Yeah, this grasping. Yeah. And so we believe in that, which brings more escalation and gives birth. Yeah. First to the selfhood, <laughs> to the becoming, which of course, that's one of the big ones. That's definitely constant. Yeah. That's definitely constant. Definitely lasting, definitely permanent. Yeah. I'm not even going to go down that. Yeah. And dukkha. Yeah. Leads to dukkha. And so on. Yeah. Does this make sense to people? Yeah. And the whole process, the image that was coming to me when I was reflecting on this, you know, that for this talk, the whole process is like in that process there's a, a clenched fist, yeah, that is comes into being, 
yeah? From the contact, just landing on the palm of the hand, yeah? The Vedana, the escalation, yeah? The push and the pull, yeah? Pulling towards me, pushing away, yeah? And the dukkha, the contraction, yeah? More and more of this clenched fist of solidity, yeah? Of permanence, yeah? Of fixedness, yeah? It's like this, yeah? It's like this. And we can feel that clenching. Yeah, we can feel that clenched fist movement in the whole body. Yeah. Sometimes in the whole space of the being, space of awareness. So again, we understand. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to argue <laughs> with this part of the Buddha's teachings, which says, look at experience yeah, and see that things are changing. They're inconstant. We understand this intellectually, but when we look at our experience, we see we keep clenching that fist. Keep clenching that fist with what arises in our experience. We keep reacting to things with grasping and aversion. Keep building dukkha. And of course, there's another possibility. I feel like I've kind of depressed you (laughs) so far. There's another possibility, and this is exactly, this is, you know, these teachings are coming to say there is the possibility of freedom, there is the possibility of a seeing, yeah, through these habitual ways that human beings see and look and understand the world. And that's what we're doing in our practice. So the teachings invite us, yeah, to look, to reflect, to explore, um, and to look at phenomena, to look at appearances a different way. And this is a skill we can learn, yeah? We can cultivate, we can develop. And there's three particular uh, insightful ways of looking that we're encouraged to explore and to practice with, yeah? Three particular insightful ways of looking, yeah? Ways of looking that bring that clarity of seeing that free us. The first one is this one that I've been mentioning quite a lot. It's called in Pali, Anicca. Actually looking and seeing things as inconstant, as uh, transitory. That word that Nathan loves, he uses quite a lot, ephemeral. I pronounce it correctly? English is not my first language either. So, ephemeral. Yeah. So, something that kind of ephemeral is like, you know, something that, that comes, but it has, it doesn't have a lot of substance to it. Yeah, like smoke. Yeah, or like fairies. Yeah. I like fairies. And elves. I think I like elves more than fairies. So, so the seeing of things as a nature. Yeah. We'll go more into that. That's one uh, insightful, freeing way of looking that we can develop, that we can cultivate. Um, and maybe I'll just say, just like the Vedana practice, this isn't about seeing, you know, the absolute truth. It's about what opens up when we look in that way. How does this free us? 
Yeah, how does this free us? So, anicca, second way of looking, is dukkha, yeah? which is to see, as we've spoken, to see the fact that nothing is capable of giving us lasting satisfaction. Yeah? And when we um, expect or demand yeah, from anything to satisfy me, yeah, this is a really important part, to satisfy me in a lasting way, yeah, forever, yeah, we're creating dukkha. Yeah. That's the second um, way of looking that we can cultivate. And the third is anatta, which means that no thing yeah, exists independently. Yeah. No thing exists separately yeah, from other things, from other conditions. Yeah. I'm just mentioning all three uh, lightly, yeah, because it can be interesting to see what happens when we look in these ways, and particularly you know, this evening and tomorrow, exploring the Nietzsche way of looking, seeing things as inconstant transitory, impermanent, uh, ephemeral. So when we look at this way, when we see the transitory aspect of phenomena, even just now, sound, you can listen to the the sound of the cars. Maybe you're beginning to like them by now, (laughs) because there's such a theme. And can we hear that it's not constant? Right? It fluctuates. That was almost like as if I planned it. Did you notice? Suddenly got louder. Yeah. It fluctuates. It changes. It's got different vibrations to it. Yeah. When we listen, when we look in that way, part of what happens is we release that grip of that clenched hand, that clenched fist on, it, on, it, on experience. We release the pressure that we're putting on experience. And that opens us up yeah, to the beauty and the preciousness of life. Yeah. When we're not putting so much tension, so much pressure on things. It resources us to not be, resources us to not be so overwhelmed by the challenging, by the difficult. And it opens up so much more possibilities of response. So many more possibilities of response. And it brings more lightness. This is sometimes the indication. (laughs) You can see with that release of the pressure, that clenched fist, more lightness into the experience. Sometimes that's the thing that we can really feel. And so, if we particularly explore the lens of Anicca, yeah, this impermanence, inconstancy, yeah, transience, just kind of remembering what happens when we look and we see all appearances yeah, appear and change and pass. All appearances. Yeah. Different timescales. Yeah. Everything appears, changes and passes. It's all inconstant. There's this beautiful um, teaching from uh, the Thai master Ajahn Chah. Yeah? And he, he has this teaching I really love. He says, what if we kind of look at something like a glass? 
yeah, a glass of water. <laughs> we look at the glass and we see this is already broken. Yeah? This is already broken. Yeah? What does that do to our experience? Yeah? Maybe it kind of brings more appreciation that right now, you know, it's useful. Yeah? It's useful. It maybe brings more sense of wonder. And eventually when that glass will break, (laughs) maybe brings less heartbreak if it was your favorite glass. Yeah? Because we know it's part of its journey. So when we see this way, the glass is already broken. This cultivates a letting go. And again, that movement from the clenched fist to the open hand. Letting go. Letting go. Of what? <laughs> what are we letting go of? Yeah, letting go of escalation. Yeah. Letting go of our imprisonment in our preferences and our demands. Yeah. Letting go of this whole process of escalation, tanha, yeah, push pull and identification. And kind of something we begin to see more and more when these go down, yeah? when the push and pull goes down, when the identification goes down, when the dukkha, the dukkha also goes down. Yeah? They all arise dependent on each other. Yeah? Dependent on each other. So this way of looking, of seeing the inconstancy, seeing the transitoriness in things, it opens up the possibility of a stability and a steadiness that are not reliant on external conditions. Not reliant on external conditions. And it deepens sensitivity, deepens sensitivity to beauty. Deepens sensitivity to appreciation and to gratitude. And it brings forth compassion and care for things. Because we see this is barely here at all. (laughs) It's arising and changing and passing. And that kind of brings forth that wish to care. To care for it. And so this way of looking of inconstancy doesn't just look at the fact that everything arises and passes, because as I said, there can be different timescales for that. But we're also looking at the change within an experience. It's also changing, just like we saw with the sounds yeah? of the traffic. There's change within it. Yeah. And we can see that, say, if there's discomfort or pain in the body, and we look in this way at that discomfort, at that pain, we can start to see it's not the same all the time. It changes. Yeah. There may be moments of ease yeah, within that discomfort, which is a big deal <laughs> when you're in pain. Yeah. I worked a lot with people, in, with people who live with chronic pain. And it's a big deal when you can start noticing the moments when the pain is less. Yeah? It's 
big deal. It's a big gift that we can give to ourselves. And we can also bring more compassion, more care, yeah, to the moments when there's less ease, when there's dis-ease or unease. So this process of releasing the clenched fist into the open hand, yeah, it has uh, so many possibilities to it. It opens up so much for us. And I want to give an example. Um, from from someone else, from a, a teacher called Yvonne Weir. Um, yeah, and she was uh, she told this story on a retreat that I sat with her years ago. Um, she's originally from Switzerland, and she was on a retreat in the mountains. I think in the summer, uh, and she was meditating outside and sitting meditation posture, her hands on her knees pointing up, yeah, open palm, yeah, and as she was practicing, as she was sitting, something landed in the middle of her palm, you know, the really sensitive part, the most sensitive part in the palm of your hand here, it's really soft, and she knew that there were a lot of horse flies around, yeah. So let's kind of break down the process. There she is sitting, eyes closed, open palm, yeah? Something lands in the middle of the palm, in the sensitive bit, yeah? And if we break it, if we go back to that process of dependent origination, there's contact, the initial contact, the Vedana would be neutral, right? It's just something landing, it's just a sensation. The thought comes up, horsefly, yeah? Vedana is unpleasant. Yeah. Normally, where would that lead? Yeah? The escalation, the reactivity, the fear builds up, the reactivity builds up. Either we go like this or we go like this. Right? Yeah. That's, that's what would have happened to a kind of in a, in a normal um, process of a, of a human being with an unpleasant sensation. But, yeah because yeah she's meditating yeah she doesn't react she doesn't build up yeah that process doesn't escalate she stays with the contact and the vedana yeah unpleasant unpleasant yeah and so she's not believing in that moment yeah that this unpleasantness not only is it constant but it's also going to get worse Right? Because it's going to bite me. Now it's just the idea that it's going to bite me. But it's going to bite me. Not believing it. Yeah. And so she relaxes and she releases that view. Yeah? Again and again. Relaxes, releases that view, continues. Yeah? Continues to practice. Doesn't get hooked into the reactivity. Stays open to possibility. Yeah? And probably, yeah, knowing her, <laughs> working within constancy of the sensations, just staying with the con- that, those very delicate sensations of an insect in, your, in the palm of your hand. Yeah. I recommend trying it. In the meditation center in Israel, we have a lot of flies. So I have a lot of experience of just, you know, feeling that, you know, the flies on the face, yeah, and 
sometimes, you know, such a delicate touch, yeah, such a delicate touch is actually quite lovely. Yeah? And we let go of that of how we habitually relate to it. Anyway, back to Yvonne. She continues to practice <laughs> until the bell rings. And even then, she doesn't, even when the bell rings, she continues to practice. She doesn't immediately go into the reactivity. Yeah? Oh, great, now I can get rid of it. Yeah. She opens her eyes. Body is still still. She looks at the palm of her hand. Beautiful butterfly is resting there. Yeah. A gift from the gods or the elves. And so, you know, when we can stay, yeah, when we can stay, not get hooked into our habitual ways of seeing and reacting. So many possibilities open to us. Beauty opens to us. Gratitude opens to us. Compassion opens to us. All appearances will pass in their time and in their unfolding they're already changing. We can look this way. We can look this way. We can notice the detail and the intricacy. Just one breath of noticing the detail and the intricacy of all the sensations, or not all, but so many (laughs) of the sensations that make up a breath. Seeing Anicca, seeing through this lens, it's a way of looking that we can adopt. Seeing in constant, transient, changing. It unveils to us that there really is not much point in trying to grab on (laughs) to anything in life. It's like trying to grab water or air. There's not much point in trying to grab. There is point in honoring, in loving, in caring, in enjoying the beauty of this world and of our experience. But that clenched fist, we can see as we look again and again, we can see, does it make sense to grasp, to try and grab it and hold it? We can see that it's only in our minds yeah, that things can get frozen, <laughs> yeah, from water to ice, yeah, and that we can grab. <laughs> Not so pleasant, yeah, maybe more like a frozen shot, <laughs> yeah, instead of fluidity of vision. Yeah? We can only obsess. We can only grab on. We can only push away things when we don't see the fluidity, yeah. When we don't see the inconstancy. Yeah. And whatever that thing is, you know, something we desire, something we're aversive to, our views, yeah. Only hold on to them, only clench the fist around them. If we forget, if we don't see this fluid nature, this flowing nature, this inconstant nature. So what happens when we remember the glass is already broken? 
It's such a beautiful practice. The glass is already broken. Yeah. What happens when we remember that? And what happens when we ask ourselves, do we want to live in a world that is frozen? Yeah. Or do we want to live in a world that is fluid? Because to a great degree, that's a choice we're making in our own mind. Yeah. To a great degree. Maybe I'll just give a, another small example of this. Um, this was, I think, about a month ago. I was teaching a retreat in, in Israel in the meditation center there. And uh, we were practicing outdoors with the flies. <laughs> but it's not about the flies. Uh, there was a lot of construction noise in the environment. And one morning, uh, even in the morning sitting, yeah, so even at quarter to seven <laughs> in the morning, it's already construction noise, and particularly this, um, this is to make you love the cars even more. Uh, there was this, you know, this noise when, when they're making, I think, digging foundations. These machines that go, you know, but much worse than me. Um, so there was this going on. And um, quite a lot to work with, perhaps, yeah. So I was sitting there in the meditation, and... Um, just staying soft and open like we're doing in the practice here, softening and opening the space of awareness. Yeah, just staying soft and open, not following that habit pattern of clenching, yeah? of rigidifying, yeah? of freezing things, including the unpleasantness of the noise. And suddenly, <laughs> it's very interesting, just suddenly, without any particular choice, the sound in my perception changed from that construction noise to a musical beat. Yeah. So it went from just changed in my perception. Yeah. I checked afterwards with the other teachers. It didn't happen out there. It just happened in my mind. Yeah. But what a freedom right, when we can stay open, yeah, and that change for whatever reason, yeah, from something that can be perceived as unpleasant, yeah, and disturbing, to something that can be perceived as pleasant and enlivening and enjoyable, yeah. So, you know, as we, we look, as we learn and we practice to unclench, to look in ways that free. Yeah. Keep opening up these possibilities to choose, to cultivate, and to make our minds and our perception so much more flexible yeah. and malleable. We have this word, it's like, uh, you know, when you um, knead dough, yeah? it's malleable, you know, bread dough, pizza dough, yeah? it's malleable. <laughs> And our, our own perception, our own minds becomes like that as we practice. Yeah. Comes like that as we practice. So opening to aliveness again and again, so opening to fluidity. Yeah. Seeing 
hopefully with gratitude and appreciation, the flow of conditions that allow us to be here, allow us to be here, enable us to be here, to be alive, to be healthy enough to practice, to be sensitive enough to choose to do this with our time. The flow of inconstancy that allows us, supports us to grow, to deepen, and to cultivate, develop that which is wholesome for ourselves and for the world that we live in. So let's have a a quiet minute to bring this to a close. Thank you for your listening and your practice and your presence. And we have some time for walking practice until our last sitting of the day together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.